and welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill, and I am your host. And today's quote is by Peter Helton. Adaptability to change is itself a hallmark of successful education. Now we have a fantastic guest for you today who has a specialty in adapting. So Rich Alderton has been leading change for over 25 years in some of the world's most innovative organizations. On his journey from the shop floor to the boardroom, he's learned that most people resist most change most of the time. Oh, you got that for sure, because they see it as a threat to their security. Security. So he developed a program to help people become more adaptable so that they're ready for whatever happens next. And I think that we could all use a dash of that. So Rich, welcome. How are you today? I'm very well. Thanks, Heather. And great to be here. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. This is a topic that I am a huge fan of. I think it's valuable for everyone. Now, you know, I just did a brief bio for you, but is there anything before we dive into the topic of adaptability, is there anything that you would like to tell people about what got you to where you are today? Anything else? No, that, that intro really sums it up pretty well. Uh, it, my, my discovery was that, you know, I started at the bottom, as I said, on the shop floor, and worked my way up. I ended up sitting on the board of a listed company. And what I realized was it doesn't matter what your background is, how old you are, what your background, your culture, and particularly, it really doesn't seem to matter how high up or low down in the organization you are. Um, people can resist and do resist change uh, at any level. And that's what really got me to thinking that I should probably dedicate my career uh, towards helping people love change as much as I do, because uh, as far as I can see, and as far as anybody else is prepared to predict, the world is only going to be filled with more and more change, not less and less. So if you don't like change today already, um, then there's going to be more and more change coming tomorrow and the day after, which means that unless you do something about that, you're going to become less and less engaged in your life. Um, and that seems like a pretty rubbish state of affairs to be in. So um, I thought that uh, I might be able to help do something about that with people and, and, and spread messages on, on platforms like yours. Thank you very much. Oh, my goodness. You know, I do think and you brought up such a great point is that there's no there's no going back to any kind of stagnancy as we move forward changes. I say it's, it's the most consistent thing that we're going to to experience is change. Right. So what right. you're talking about today and the nuggets that you're going to be providing for our listeners are of great value for anyone, wherever they are on the spectrum, whether there's someone who embraces change, loves change like you and I, or whether they're like a lot of people we both know who are have that initial resistance to change, I'm sure you're going to be able to help. So, so that's how you got into being in, well, you know, the term adaptability advisor 
So help me with what that looks like for the people that you work with. Okay, so look, there's a lot of leadership development, a lot of personal development stuff going on out there, and you know, and it, and it's all good, um, and a lot of it has been around a long time. You know, communications, constructive conflict, um, um, you know, having con- good conversations, um, delegation, all of this good stuff. But it occurred to me that there isn't anything. Well, there isn't much out there that is really focusing on the field of adaptability. Now I've seen change from a whole bunch of angles because I've had this lucky lucky journey um, that I've been on, you know, from, from the bottom to somewhere approaching the, within sight of the top anyway. Um, and it, again, it just doesn't matter how much change you've been through, how, how high you are in the organization. There is this natural resistance to change that we all have. And, and look, I, I need to say to your listeners, if you feel that, if you are one of those people, you are not alone, you are in the majority. And it's quite okay to feel that way, because we have evolved um, to see change as a threat to our security. We, it's kept us alive for 50,000 years, we're still here today. And the saber toothed tiger isn't, even though it was higher up than us in the food chain, because we develop this fear and anxiety about change. The trouble is that those, those emotions which were evolved to become self-protecting have become largely self-defeating these days. So I realised um, all of this when I kind of stepped back, when you know I, I made it up to being a kind of middle-order CEO of a small multinational um, and I could see all of this resistance going on. And I and I worked with lots of suppliers. I used to be a head of supply chain. So I worked with thousands of suppliers and I could see into lots of companies. And it seemed to me that the only way that they were dealing with change was by one of two ways. And the first was just do it. Now, that's really great if you're trying to sell leisure wear. <laughs> uh, it's a great tagline. <laughs> uh, but it's a really unmotivating uh, call to arms uh, just get as a leader. Just do it, whatever. Yeah. Get, <laughs> just get get on the bus or get off it. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's nice and it's nice and clear. You don't need to do any planning. It doesn't take much effort, and it's almost certainly doomed to fail. The other way that organisations um, typically approach change is. Uh, change management, which is a philosophy, a process that has emerged over the last 30 years, extremely successful in helping projects get over the line. Here's the problem, though. It's become so successful that companies tend to rely exclusively, wholly on change management. Um, And whilst that's good at doing projects, it doesn't make anybody more adaptable. And that's news to most people. But if you think about it, Getting people through a project only changes what they do. You were using this IT system, and now you're using that one. It's a process change. It's a product change. It's not a behavioral change. Projects don't have time to change cultures of companies and and behaviors in people, especially when they're such primal behaviors that we have when we are thinking and talking about change, fear, anxiety, I'm being threatened. That's not something a project can do on the side while it's, you know, delivering a new product introduction. 
So what I saw was that there wasn't an awful lot, in fact, very little um, going on in, in terms of training people to become more adaptable. Change management, for example, only prepares people for planned change. But anybody who's in, been in charge of a strategy in the last 10 years knows that your strategy 1.0 is never, ever um, going to be implemented exactly as it was written and, and, and when the ink was dry and it was signed off. It always changes along the way. There's always planned cha un, unplanned change and there will be more and more to come. Mm -hmm. So we have to learn this super skill, I call it, these, these superpowers that make up adaptability in order for us to be ready for whatever happens next. Because the truth is, nobody knows what's going to happen next. I mean, if you just look at what's happened to the world in the last two years with, with COVID and with the war in Ukraine and a whole bunch of other things and the in increasing climate change issues we're facing, and that's just at the kind of macro level. Then there's the individual company level, and then there's what's going on in our lives at home. You multiply all those things together. There's a massive amount of change. And if we're not good and confident about dealing with that change, then I think we're going to become less and less engaged. And what that means is less happy, less productive. We're not going to be any good to ourselves, and we're going to be less used to society. And, and that's, that's kind of what gets me jumping out of bed gazelle-like in the morning to, to come do this stuff and why why I have this fantastic job title of adaptability advisor. Oh, my goodness. That is so much fun, though, because um, I always say, oh, I jump out of bed because I love what I do. But gazelle-like was a oh, nice yeah. ad there, Rich. That was I, really I, visual in I, my head. I think, I think everybody should aspire to gazelle-like, right? <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> So we've established that a lot of people resist change, um, that that's normal, that we shouldn't be hard on ourselves, but that if you want to engage in your life and get the most out of it, it's necessary for us to learn how to become so more adaptable, right? So that's, that's the why. Is there anything else that goes along with the why that we should be aware of? No, just, just to expand on that a little bit, you know, a, a lot of people that they're the maximum that they really want to engage with the process of change is, is to neutralize a negative, to kind of get through it, to cope um, with this change that's being forced on me. I, I certainly don't go looking for change, but when it comes my way, um, you know, the, the most that I really want to do is the bare minimum to just kind of get by and then hopefully life will plateau out again and I can get on with my life. The, the, the great joy about having an adaptable mind is that you can see that change is an awful lot more than just something that is necessary to keep up and get ahead. You know, when you're listening to people like me bang on, it is actually the best chance any of us is ever going to get to make a difference in life and to find out what we're capable of achieving, to explore the limits and boundaries of our capabilities. The status quo is never going to be able to do that. You already know what you can do in the status quo because you achieved it yesterday yeah. and, and you're probably going to achieve it tomorrow. But only by embracing change can you actually grow as a person and only by embracing change can you actually move forward. So when you can see change in those terms then, well, for me, that changes everything. It becomes imperative to... Yeah, absolutely. And it becomes an, 
okay, this is getting deep and meaningful, man. But it's an existential question about why are we here? Are we here to make a difference? Are we here to just sit still and sit on our hands and try and avoid as much turbulence as we can until our pensions kick in? Or, or are we actually here to make a difference and use all the skills that we've got um, for the benefit of others and, 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 and engage our lives uh, ourselves? You know, that, that's where the altruism pays back to ourselves personally. That, that, that's the question. Um, and, and if the, question, the answer to anybody listening out there is, yep, I do want to make even a bit of a difference, then, then they're listening to the right podcast, hopefully. So I love this. I think that is, I am never going to shy away from that. Let's get deep and meaningful here part. I, I adore that part. And, um, you know, I, I, I have a whole side of my business and, and my personal purpose related to humanity and giving back and contribution. So I adore where you're going with this, Rich. This is super important because as human beings, we are not meant to just exist. We are meant to make an impact and to use our gifts to make a real difference in the world. And we can't do that unless we're adaptable. I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm, I'm completely on the same page. And I'm sure the kind of person who listens to your show, you know, is also on the same page too. So hopefully I'm preaching to the converted, but, but also, also <laughs> so, maybe. So we've established that, that it's important uh, that we all are in agreement on that. So before I jump into for you personally, how this has impacted you, can we give them, the listeners, a tip? some suggestions, something that they can take away now that they are on board, they're chomping at the bit. Is there something that you can share with them? There is. There is absolutely. So our most primal uh, reaction to uh, change when it's a th- and when we are threatened is fear, of mm-hmm. course. And, and fear is defined as our reaction to a clear and present danger, different from anxiety, Although we use those two terms and emotions interchangeably, they are in fact very different things. We've identified at least five differences. Key amongst them is that fear is your reaction to something that is present and real. And anxiety is your reaction to makey uppy stuff. That, that, that's, <laughs> that's the, the technical term. That, 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 psychologists everywhere are nodding in agreement right now <laughs> in, in their universities. Makey uppy stuff that, that you project so what you do is you you take a negative potential scenario that you've made up and then you multiply that by another negative potential scenario which by the way probably won't ever happen then you multiply that by your phone number and then all of a sudden you've created this exponential cliff ahead of you for you to fall off anyway back to back to fear so fear of course we're all biochemists we all understand the fight or flight response um, and if you take flights for a moment, you know, one of the reactions we have uh, when we see change that threatens us is to run away. The tip for your listeners is to do the complete opposite. Now, this is really simple to understand and really difficult to do in practice. Um, and, and, it's, and it's hard to practice because you can only practice it when you are actually in a state of fear. But the, the antidote to um, resisting change when it puts you in a state of fear is called discovery. Don't run away from the source of your fear. Run towards it. Why? Because knowledge is power. Find out everything that you can 
about that situation. If you think in a normal steady state situation, you would normally go off and do your homework and be curious and find out what was going on and then come up with a range of options and then um, choose one of those. And it would all be a lovely, logical, rational process. Um, and the outcome would be important, but it is never going to be more important that the decision-making and the actions that you take as a result of being in a state of fear the problem is that the way our brains work, this massive supercomputer, is it is designed to shut itself down. All of this mm. fancy computer stuff at the top, at the front that we have here, all of that is completely bypassed by what's called the low road um, that sends signals straight through to the amygdala and that straight away fires off the, um, the fight or flight adrenaline response, you know, triggers down to your adrenals. Um, so what you've got to do in that state is turn your brain back on and start thinking um, and find out everything you can, because there's never going to be a more important time to make the best decision that you are capable of making with the time permitted than when you are in a state of fear. Mm. So look, I know all of that makes sense. Nobody ever says anything other than goodness, Rich, that makes a lot of sense. But I do appreciate that it's it's difficult to do in the heat of the moment, but it is something that you just have to keep practicing and doing and it can be learned. You know, I, you as you're talking about this, it really becomes very clear to me because, you know, that, that combination of, of the head and the heart and that communication between them is super important, right? And so the way that you said it made it so clear as to when, when to listen, right? So when you are in this state of fear and anxiety, that's when you want to stop and listen to the head. But when you are in a state of joy and abundance and gratitude, that's when you listen to your heart, right? Right. Yeah. Right. That, okay. That's good. It just, I like that. It just struck me right now as you were saying that you just made it so clear. I love, love, love that. Thank you. <laughs> so now I'm going to get personal. I've warmed oh. you up a little bit. <laughs> so have you ever had a situation where you had to use some of these skills on yourself? Oh, well, do you know what? I, I actually... I actually did. And I never thought I would. You know, if you set up, if you set yourself up to be some kind of expert in, in your chosen field, in mm -hmm. my case, adaptability, of course, you don't do that unless you feel that you are some kind of model um, for that behavior change that you're trying to instill in others. Um, and I thought I was pretty good to go. You know, I've I've worked in most corporate functions. I've reinvented myself many times on my journey from the shop floor to the boardroom. I've lived in both hemispheres. I spent nine years um, living in New Zealand, five years living in Sweden before that, uh, um, now back in the UK. Um, so I thought I was kind of already ready for anything. Uh, but as it turns out, I wasn't. Um, and that didn't happen once. That happened twice. And all in the space of uh, lockdown um, during COVID uh, it, it, since, since what, Q1 2020. So about that time, um, I, was, I was told that um, I had throat cancer, which was a bit of a downer because I've never smoked. In fact, um, I, I actually had tonsil cancer. I mean, who even knew that was a thing, right? Wow. Um, but then 
I, 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 that completely threw me. I, I just didn't think, you know, I was a bit of a, a bit of a guy about the whole thing. I thought I was immortal. Mm. Um, didn't, you know, I'd never really suffered any major illness. Um, and so that, that really took the legs away from under me. And, and I went into a state of fear. And I have to say that I found myself having to consciously think about employing that antidote of discovery that I that I just talked about and and it was lucky that I did because if I hadn't what what happened was um after I got that news the rest of my day uh, that was like lunchtime the rest of my day I spent visiting just about every doctor in the hospital it, it felt like I I saw the dentist I saw the ENT specialist I saw the oncologist um, every, the, the support was fantastic, but I was bombarded with information. Mm. And if I'd been in fight or flight mode, I'd have, you know, I'd have either hit the surgeon on the nose for giving me bad news, or I'd have been running out of there at mm -hmm. breakneck speed. But because I, I had the presence of mind, you know, they say there's nothing like teaching for learning. Well, thank goodness to all my clients, um, <laughs> because. I actually heard myself going, go into discovery mode, Rich, go, go into discovery mode. And it was lucky I did because I heard the, the um, doctor say to me, actually, Rich, there's an 85% five-year survival rate for this type of cancer. What he was actually saying was that I was at the very lucky end of the very unlucky spectrum. Mm. And actually, the, you know, I, I'd only been given junior part-time off-peak associate membership of the big C club and and that changed everything you know that this wasn't pancreatic cancer or or people who really suffer mm. um you know not all cancers are the same and it great big headline but actually I was very lucky and that that completely changed my attitude it it, it my fear levels you could practically hear the adrenaline valves being shut off all over my body mm. um and and it made an absolute difference to my entire approach to this newfound disease. Wow. If there is time, I was given I was given the all clear um, a few months later, and six we need weeks. We that up, information. We can't leave them hanging. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay, no, yes, that's I'm, good. good. Yes, good. I'm still alive. I'm still alive and well. <laughs> uh, hmm. and, and I am still on the right side of that eighty-five percent statistic, hmm. but. Um, I enjoyed six weeks of bliss uh, before I went out running. Uh, we went into second lockdown here in the UK about November 2020. Um, and the, I mean, I'm not the fittest guy, but it's never been the case that the more often that I run, uh, the less distance I cover. And I knew something was wrong then. And I had this chest pain. <laughs> so you know where this is going. Mm. Um, and, and I thought something might be wrong. But um, it, because of lockdown and what was happening in the hospitals um, here in the UK anyway, was um, it took me weeks to be able to see a, a cardiac uh, surgeon. And um, in that time, I didn't know whether I had anything to worry about. On the one hand, I knew chest pain wasn't good. But on the other hand, only 18 months before, I'd cycled the length of the UK, a 1,000 miles, 45,000 feet of climbing. You know, I'm not a small guy, but I managed to do that. 
So I thought, well, I must be pretty fit. How can I have a heart problem? So I, all of these scenarios started going on in my mind about what could go wrong because oh. we have negativity bias mm -hmm. in our mind that makes us think about what could possibly go wrong rather than thinking about what might possibly go right. Yeah. Now, luckily I employed, so here's another tip. Here's another antidote that I used. Um, if anxiety is about what you think might happen to you in the future, then of course, the less that you think about the future, the less anxious you're going to be. So of course, the antidote is mindfulness. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not very good at technical mindfulness, all of that meditation, yoga, breathing exercises. But I have learned um, to that just that whole ability to live in the moment. And, and I think it's a really, really powerful antidote and it's the perfect antidote because the more that you live in the present the less that you live in the future the less you have makey up negative stuff <laughs> and the less anxious you feel so so yeah just a year ago um and the news was as bad as it could have been i had angina and i had so many blockages around my heart that they couldn't even put stents in i needed a triple bypass and that happened just a, a year ago um and and here i am still cancer free um, and um, leaping gazelle-like out of bed in the morning. So all, all is well. Wow. You know, these are, this is great. You, you have a, a wonderful combination of telling a story that engages us and leaving people with something that they can use from the story in their own lives. Oh, so good. that is fantastic. Um, this, this ability to become present is so amazing as a strategy to reduce anxiety, but a byproduct is it will increase and enhance every relationship that you have. So there's like all of these side benefits that come from what you're talking about with these, these tips to help you be more adaptable in any of these situations, whether they're health related or whether it's related to work or whether it's, you know, whatever it might be related to, these are great suggestions that will have multiple positive outcomes. I, I couldn't agree more. If, if you let anxiety get away from you, then it creates a, a vicious circle for yourself, you know, where, where I, I say you, you start multiplying negative events and then you're so far down in the hole that you don't even have the energy. That takes a lot of energy. You know, your brain only weighs about 2% of your body mass and it takes up 20% of the energy of your whole body. So if you are using all of that power to think about negative things, you actually don't have the energy to come back out of it. So you're no fun to be with. You can't really think about anything other than what might go wrong. You're not exactly a, you know, a fun person to be with for anybody else or yourself. So absolutely, it has that impact on your relationships. And I tell you, I definitely believe that because I was in a mentally healthier state because of mindfulness, when I did get the nearly as bad as it could have been news that I needed a triple bypass, um, then I was in much, much better shape to receive that news than I would have been if I'd just been worrying my guts out for the last 10 weeks. Mm, mm. And, you know, also a, a direct impact on your um, immune system. Your immunity is actually enhanced when you practice mindfulness. 
So this is just win-win, win-win all over the place. Yeah, good. So, you know, this time is flying by. I'm having so much fun talking with you about this because I know that the people listening will find real value. Um, so let's see if somebody out there does want to dive deeper. Can you share with them how they can find you? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Do you have any resources, anything that they might want to grab a hold of? Yeah, sure. So the, the easiest way to get a hold of me is is on LinkedIn. Just search search for Rich Alderton, A L D E R T O N, um, or check out the website. So all my contact details are on www.highperformancechange.com. That's all one word: highperformancechange.com. And yes, there's there's loads of blogs, uh, freebie stuff on there. Um, soon to be launching an ebook um, that that I'm going to give away for free. Um, and there's there's a couple of videos on there. There's also access to the e the full e learning um, adaptability intelligence uh, training course as well. Oh wow, that's amazing! I knew you'd have some great stuff for us. You're very generous. So, Rich, it's time for those final parting words of wisdom. What do you want? Not like you haven't given us a lot already, <laughs> but what do you want to make sure that people leave with? Okay, that's a great question, and, and thanks for teeing that up because. The most important thing I can say to anybody is that adaptability is something that can be learned. That's why we call it adaptability intelligence. Intelligence is defined as the ability to acquire and apply knowledge. And you can absolutely learn to become adaptable. Most people think that they can't. They think that it's fixed in stone, that it's a gift that they're born with, that's baked into their DNA. And they think that because they can't remember the last time that they actually changed their relationship with change itself. Mm. And they just think it's, it, it's a gift that they, they're either born lucky or unlucky and nothing, luckily, happily, nothing could be further from the truth. And anybody can learn to become more adaptable if they so want. And I hope my examples earlier gave you the idea that even at my level, um, you know, we, we can always learn to be more adaptable. It's it, like mastering anything. It's a journey without end. Mm. You know, that is wonderful because what we're leaving people with is hope. You know, that, that things, yes, things are changing around them, but they have the capacity to change within them. Yep. So, so Rich, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Listeners, if you are loving this show, share it out to your friends, to the world, leave us a review. Um, we appreciate all the people who have been doing that lately. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we will see you next week. Thank you so much, Rich. Thanks, Heather. Thanks very much. 